Welcome back, everybody, to episode 37 of the Valkyrie Cast, a podcast about movies, TV, and video games. I'm your host, Matt. Joining me, as always, are our two wonderful co-hosts. First, we have my brother, Drew. Hello, interwebs. And, of course, the wonderful Tommy. What's up, outer webs? All-inclusive. Joining us today... (laughs) (laughs) Joining us today, as well, is my good friend, Pate. What's up, Pate? What's up, Matt? Thank you for having me. Glad you are here on the show. Uh, and Pate, since this is your first time, in a moment we're going to ask you your favorite movie, TV, and video games because we do that with all our guests. Um, but this time we actually kind of know what he's going to say because we recorded this entire no, podcast <laughs> and uh, lost all, almost all of it immediately. I don't so. know what you're talking about, secret. Matt. <laughs> technology this is the first is, time uh, we've done this. Podcasting yeah, is a miracle is a, uh, that just appears in your apple device thing. or whatever you listen to us on i i like to i mean that's what i thought friends, it was <laughs> i like to remind my friends who ask me about podcasting that like things like this happen because me and tommy are professionals in the audio video world drew does a ton with audio visual as well and we still have these issues so things it's, happen it's just sometimes technology i tell people all the time like it's gonna fail you at some point so just be prepared it's true. So uh, we're re-recording this, and uh, yeah, we're excited. So, Pate, let's go ahead and get going. Tell us, what is your favorite movie, TV, and video game, in whatever order you want to go in? All right. Um, favorite movie would probably be Saving Private Ryan, if I had to just narrow it down to one. It's a really great World War II movie, really good action, good story. It's Can't a solid get movie. tired of that. Mm-hmm. It's a solid one. You being a history buff, it makes a lot of sense that that's your favorite one. Yeah, probably best kind of favorite genre to me. Okay, then, well, I got a question. Since you brought that up, did you did you see Dunkirk? And what did you think of Dunkirk? I did see Dunkirk, and I thought it was fantastic. Awesome. We, we was, liked it. We Hold we on. Who's this we? Who's this we? Don't, no, don't no, throw me in this no. we. Tommy, I, liked I, I, believe, it. I believe when we talked I about almost, it, by the almost, end of it, you liked I, it much better. Than when, no, I would say much. I, I did like it I'm better. Listening. I will go back and reference that episode. I vividly remember by the end of us talking about it, you being like, you know, I, after talking about it, I did like it. Well, no. I, you may I, have still gave I it a nope. I still gave it a but, nope. But I will, I will okay. say that you almost changed my mind on some aspects. But, hey, but hey, don't generalize. Almost changed. Keyword. I'll take it. That was okay, back in so, Tommy's negative days. He's a new man now. That's right. He's a positive man now. So uh, what's your favorite video game or TV show? A uh, video game would probably be Bioshock <laughs> Infinite. Throw, go into the. I guess it would be the sequel. I know yeah. that there's yeah. a Bioshock Two that like nobody ever Dude. talks about. <laughs> nah, man, that one's my favorite too. Like the original one is, is awesome. But like I loved Infinite. I it was, it was so good. I, I really. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's my favorite Bioshock too. Wait, that's a Infinite, that's a good game to have as your favorite. Infinite's gorgeous, man. Mm, it so is good. and it's, it's got beautiful. that very terrible like the most gross melee attack with the sky hook into the guy's face <laughs> that, that sky hook thing's crazy that's such an interesting way to get around and then just maul people's faces with it mm-hmm. okay and then tv show uh probably turn washington spies so throw out another historical show there it's about Spies in the Revolutionary War um, ran for, I think it was, I think it was five seasons. It might have been four. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's really good. It's on Netflix. Binge it if you can. 
Oh, I didn't know it was on Netflix. I have to check that out because yeah, they've got. I remember got all seeing the, the trailer now. for it. Cool, cool. Yeah, Netflix has just updated a bunch of stuff because I also saw that season four of The Flash is on there, and so I started watching that. I'm really excited to see how that goes. Well, cool. Well, pay, thanks, thanks for being on this episode with us. Thanks for letting us know what your favorite stuff is. Um, now we're going to move into news because we do have a lot of news that has happened since we recorded the last episodes. Um, it's been a little while. We've had some crazy scheduling problems, but uh, E3 is right around the corner. If you don't know what E3 is, uh, as Tommy describes it, Tommy, how did you describe it to me? Is the to Apple didn't know what E3 was? It's the Apple keynote of the video game world. That's pretty much it. It's it's the electronic entertainment entertainment expo. That second that second E always gets you. That second E it? throws me off. Uh, so it it's pretty much where all the major video game companies show off what they're doing this year and also some of the stuff they're working on for the future um it's always really really exciting so we're gonna have lots of news in a couple weeks with that but we're already getting some news um some companies are going ahead and dropping <coughs> trailers first uh so we're gonna touch on a couple of those the first one i want to touch on because there's not as much information about it is is we've got a new fallout coming out called fallout 76 um, all we have is a trailer for it, um, but Drew has, because Drew's played a lot of the Fallout games, and he knows the lore a little bit. He knows a little bit more uh, about what the story may be based on some of the lore. So what were you telling us, Drew, about Vault 76, which is what this game is going to be about? Yeah, so I'm a bit of a nerd. I like lore. And I wouldn't say I'm a lore master. One day I'm going to be as good as my name is Bife, but I'm not there yet. I don't have the voice for it. Um, but all right, so Vault 76, from what we know from Fallout 3, it's referenced in one of the DLCs, and it's also referenced in Fallout 4, was a vault that's somewhere outside of DC, uh, from what I can tell, and from what we know, as well as it was a control vault. So what that meant is some of these vaults in Fallout, the company that made them used them for like these crazy experiments, and then they had these regular that were just there to save people. Um, and that's what this vault is. It's said to have about 500 people in it. But what's really interesting about this game is that the earliest Fallout game in the timeline takes place 60 years after the bombs fall in the Great War that causes you know everything to become a wasteland, basically. So the earliest game is 60 years after that event. But this vault was supposed to celebrate the tricentennial, I believe. Uh, of the American of the United States and it was going to be opened 20 years or 25 years after the bombs so what we're going to be getting with this fallout it looks like is is going to be a bit of a different fallout game from the usual and it's going to be the earliest fallout we've seen so it's going to be people coming out of the vault and not having cities and communities and people around uh, and there's a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation a lot of people talking that it's going to be some kind of survival like co-op massive multiplayer survival type game uh, in the Fallout universe uh, which sounds really interesting but at the same time they could also screw it up because you know I love Fallout for being Fallout so <laughs> yeah I've, I've never really gotten super into the Fallout games but I do know they're super popular um, if this has co-op, I may check it out because as big as Fallout is, it may be a little bit easier yeah. to well, do it, play it with a friend. Yeah, and Fallout 4 is great. You should definitely play it. But one of the big things Fallout 4 added was this entire like base building mechanics where you could scavenge resources and you could make your own guns and you could make your own bases and defend them and stuff like that. 
um, and create settlements and stuff. So there's a lot of speculation that maybe it's that's going to be the core gameplay expanded out because it was more of just like a, a an additional thing in Fallout 4 than the main game. Uh, so who knows? It'll be pretty interesting. Uh, it's crazy that Bethesda's coming out with another Fallout game, though, this quick. Because, I mean, we're, we're still waiting for an Elder Scrolls game, and it's been it's been too long, Bethesda. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get Skyrim on the mobile, like, this year or something like crazy like <laughs> yeah. that. So I told a friend the other day when he was like, I want a new Elder Scrolls game. I was like, don't worry, we're going to get Skyrim on the cell phone and Skyrim on the, the Game Boy Advance or something weird on the 3DS. Skyrim, well, I was going to say Skyrim in VR, but they literally just did that. So. <laughs> they did that. Uh, so that's Fallout. We will probably get a lot more news on that in the coming weeks. Uh, the other big one, we got our first trailer for Battlefield Five, which takes place in World War Two, And... Um, I'm really excited for this game because I love Battlefield games. I really liked Battlefield 1. I wish it was more modern, but Battlefield 1 was a lot of fun, so I'm excited for this. But a lot of fans aren't super happy with it because the trailer was, like, super over-the-top, kind of crazy action, not very, not, not completely Battlefield style. Um, and a lot of what they showed off didn't necessarily look like World War II. It almost, it almost has a Elseworld vibe to it. Um, and that maybe what they're going for. I know Drew, you mentioned that they they didn't want it just to feel like the same old World War II game. Um, but we but I'm I'm excited for it. What are y'all thoughts on Battlefield Five? Because I know we all watched the trailer yesterday when we were together. Anybody? I um I, I hey, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um. Yeah, I haven't played too much of Battlefield, but I did play Battlefield 1 because beforehand I had never seen like a World War 1 game. And as you said before, I'm a huge history buff. World War 1 is very fascinating to me. And when I first saw the trailer for it to come out, I was, you know, all excited. And I didn't buy it because like I don't have a PS4 yet or anything like that, but I played uh, some of my friends' copies of it. And I thought it was really cool. But, um,. But yeah, whenever y'all first showed me the trailer, I was like, "Are you sure this is World War II? Because it's got, <laughs> I I don't know. It yeah. was very later on, like when I saw the tanks and the airplanes. I mean, that was it was obviously definitely like World War II tech. But like you said, it was a very different style I that mean, they were going Furiosa for. Furiosa and her big metal arm, you know. Yeah, that's oh <laughs> man, that's the vibe. I just realized that right now. That is what that reminds me of. Yeah, I can see that. They definitely focus on that whole prosthetic arm in multiple characters, which is like, they really want you to know well, you can unlock a prosthetic arm. And, and EA came out and said a few interesting things when they released this. One of the things they said they're kind of doubling down on this is because there's been a million and one World War II games. Battlefield 1942 was the first World mm -hmm. War, uh, first Battlefield game. So they've even done it. Call of Duty did it to death. Medal of Honor, we could go down the list. Um, and they said they didn't want this to be a game that was just the highlights they don't want you know storming the beach at normandy they don't want um the trees explosion part i think it was the battle of the bulge or some of these other stories that have been told to death they wanted to be be a little more unique kind of like they did with the world war one game and tell these individual stories that have not gotten told as much um so that's interesting and i think i think that was a big success for them in battlefield one uh, where they were able, instead of doing a big overarching campaign, they did these smaller stories, and you know, five or six of them, like mini campaigns or mini levels that told a single story that may have not been as popular. I remember my favorite level in Battlefield 1 was the uh, the Italian shock trooper, where you'd literally put on like this, like, 
medieval armor and you had a heavy machine gun because that's kind of the, the the colliding of the two worlds at the time and we're fighting the Alps and that's so cool I didn't know that was even a thing but after I was able to play that level I looked into it and that, some of that stuff actually happened which is crazy to think about yeah, so I don't know who knows EA needs a I win think it'll, I, I know that I think much. it'll be good I, I do think they're going to do some um, damage control because the fans are kind of like what are you doing what is this so I do think we're going to um, I think we're going to see either another trailer or at E3 we're going to see just gameplay and game mechanics to make people feel a little bit better of that about that but it's Battlefield so I'm excited for it I, I love a good Battlefield game um, yeah Another thing they did say, which is, is going with that damage control, especially after the Battlefront fiasco this past year, is they've completely gotten rid of Battle Pass and uh, every all the DLCs is going to be free boxes. and loot boxes. I'll tell you, the, the Battlefield 1 loot boxes, I, I never liked yeah, them. Yeah, they're not great. And, and there was never anything in them that I was like, oh, man, I want to spend money on this. Like, it was not good. Yeah, Battlefield 3, I think, and 4 had the best mechanics where... If you use a certain gun, you unlocked all the stuff. So if you had a gun you really liked, the more you use it, the more you unlock the stuff for that gun. Or there were still loot boxes, like the crates you'd get, but you'd just get like camouflages and random things for random other guns that like you may use. But as long as you use that subclass, you would unlock what you needed for that. So yeah, yep. That's Battlefield. Any other thoughts? Bring me more cool. destruction. That's just Tommy that's... won't. Yeah, that's one thing. It does. I think there should be more destruction because the whole building gets blown down in the trailer. But that—that's what you really like, Tommy. Yeah, right? I when mean, you think of a Battlefield game. Yeah, like especially Bad Company Two, like the just Ooh, the best leveling one, app. I mean, I, I'm hard pressed to say it's it's up between Battle like Bad Company Two and 1942 since that was you know OG. I spent so many hours in high school playing that game. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, Tommy. It felt like they after they were trying to chase Call of Duty for a little while, and it felt like that unique element of the game took a back burner, and now it's like people want it back. Because Battlefield 1 was a lot better because there were entire buildings you could take down if you wanted to, and I would love to see us get back to the... I mean, Battlefront 2... I mean, Battle, Battlefield Bad Company 2, you could take everything down, and that was half the fun somebody was camping you just took the building down on that's a satisfying thing to do so mm-hmm. so hopefully we'll get some more destruction in battlefield 5 uh the last bit of news we're going to talk about is we have heard rumors about the pokemon game for the switch and we have confirmation that the full-fledged pokemon game is coming next year 2019 but we are getting a game this year for the switch called let pokemon let's go pikachu and pokemon let's go eevee these are what looks like they're taking the popularity and success of Pokemon Go, but adding a lot of the things that they couldn't really add to Pokemon Go. So we have a world, you have a character that you can explore, but it looks like the engagements when you try to catch a Pokemon are going to be like Pokemon Go, where you actually physically throw the ball to try to hit them. But we do know from the trailers that we have a world to explore, we have a character, and we actually have battles and stuff. So it seems yeah. like them experimenting and trying to take this kind of unique at gameplay that seems to work and people really like and create something new. And while I want a full-fledged Pokemon game, I'm down for this because I still play Pokemon Go. And 
Like, I think this is unique enough and interesting enough to keep people excited until the full-fledged game comes out. Plus, I'd rather have this than, a, like, another Detective Pikachu or a Pokemon Rangers or, or one of those games. This seems like a classic game with just a new element in it. Well, and it's, it's in it's Kanto, a, so that's yeah, cool. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's a remake of Yellow. I mean, they've even kind of, in some of the advertisement, been talking about that. It's a remake of the original adventure Yellow especially where you actually had a Pokemon that could like walk around with you with some of these Pokemon Go elements in it. And I'm mm. thrilled. My wife is still playing Pokemon Go hardcore. I know Matt is as well. Um, but uh, I think it's really exciting because she's never played the original Pokemon game. And I, the thing I'm really excited about, we've talked a little bit about on this show, is, man, it's going to be co-op. And I love co-op games, couch co-op That's true. too. We can First me and Angela, me and my game. wife, we can uh, we can play this through together, and that's gonna be great. So we're definitely gonna pick it up. It looks awesome. Mm-hmm. It it it's it looks like it'll be a good game to kind of hold us over, and some of those aspects seem seem really really cool. And I and you know Drew, you talking about that for a lot of the people who maybe have never played Pokemon but really like Pokemon Go. This will be a great introduction because it's still that element of Pokemon Go, but you get introduced to the battles, you get introduced to a world of catching Pokemon. So, like somebody, I feel like somebody who maybe Pokemon Go was their first intro could play this and it be familiar enough for them to figure out what what's good. And then when the new one comes out, I feel like they're gonna have a lot of people who that may be their first full fledged Pokemon game because of these games that came before, which is kind of cool to think about. So and Kanto region. Yeah. I love Kanto, man. I know some people have been complaining about that, but I'm so for those who don't know the, each of the Pokemon games are in a region, like a world. And Kanto is the OG Pokemon game was in, what's called Kanto region. So it's all the original 150 Pokemon. And so for all of us fans who played the originals as kids, it's like nostalgia so high and it's going to be really cool. Pate, are you a Pokemon fan? Um, I kind of used to be, I kind of fell off with it though. I didn't really play the games much. I had like the stadium games for Nintendo 64. I didn't really play my game boy a whole lot. So, I mean, And I, I never downloaded Pokemon Go, not because it didn't look cool. It, it looked amazing. That's one reason why I didn't, because I knew that it was going to just drive me to complete <laughs> distraction if I really got into it. I wish, and I'm also thankful it didn't come out when I came, when I was in college. Because if it came out when I was college, it would have been awesome, but I would have gotten like nothing done. Yeah. But you tell me, Pate, yeah. is you're a well-disciplined man, because I would have downloaded it. That's right. That's right. I mean... Not, That's one reason I'm, I'm not well disciplined in other areas, but I just kind of like felt like, yeah, this is probably <laughs> not the best idea. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Or does anybody have anything else they want to add about Pokemon? It rocks. Uh, there is a full, f- yeah. It, well, and there is a full fledged, like traditional Pokemon game coming to the Switch next year. They've already announced as well. So this is right. a little bit of a kind of a remix, a different take on an adventure that's already happened. Um, but there's also have supposed a, the, to be the next full entry is gonna be on the Switch next year, which is exciting. Yeah, there's also supposed to be some free to play game called Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I think it was Pokemon Quest um, that it you is. can download for the Switch, and it's like a it's like an eight bit Minecrafty looking. Um, I meant to try to download it, but I didn't get a chance to. But I think we'll it's to... also on mobile. I need to check we'll that. To... We'll have to maybe next episode. We'll one of us will have checked it out by then. We can talk a little bit more about that i hate the art style in it i can go ahead and tell you 
<laughs> all right, so we good with news? That's all our news. So now we're going to d- jump into our main topic. We are talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. The, the Star Wars movie that we all said nobody wanted and nobody asked for. And the one, so, so a little bit of the production history. And one of the reasons that I especially went in thinking this wasn't going to be good and why a lot of fans thought it wasn't going to be good because originally it was directed by um dang it i had meant to have it it was up. the two guys the, that did 22 jump street and the lego movie yes mm-hmm. i'm gonna look them up so so they were originally supposed to be the ones directing it they finished uh they did a lot of it but then they got like fired afterwards um well, not fired. They get, they got let go because of creative differences. It was Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Um, and so whenever a director, when the movie is pretty much done, gets let go because of creative differences and somebody else comes in and basically reshoots the whole movie, that's usually not a good sign. So they had they got Ron Howard to come in. And we like Ron Howard. Tommy especially likes Ron Howard. I love Ron Howard. He's great. So... The, the weird part is this, the rumors were that Phil Lord and Miller were um, maybe making it a little too much of a comedy and making maybe too many jokes than they were wanting, and maybe it wasn't where they wanted to take the Star Wars story. So that's when Ron Howard got brought in. And it's easy to think that because of their history. Like, I mean, the Lego movie's a comedy. 20, 22 Jump Street's a comedy. So, um, and But then there were also rumors that the main actor um alden ehrenreich i got his name right this time alden ehrenreich there were rumors that he wasn't a good actor and they had to have like acting coaches and stuff so there's all kinds of crazy production history for this movie the director's you know getting replaced that's fact we know that happened we may never know exactly what the creative differences are we can speculate but at the end of the day, we don't know. And the same thing with whether or not there were actually acting coaches helping Alden Ehrenreich. There's no real way of knowing that. But it's stuff that was definitely being thrown around when the movie was being made and in production. Which doesn't make the movie look super well. So I feel like that's something worth touching on um, as we get into this. Uh, also, box office numbers it hasn't done amazing. It's not done it's not terrible bad. because it, it okay so it broke records for Memorial Day weekend but like in comparison to all the other Star Wars it has made the lowest amount of any other Star Wars which in its defense you're comparing it to Star Wars which is always brought in huge numbers even the prequels have brought in tons of of numbers and um I heard somebody say when The Force Awakens came out and then Rogue One there was a lot more there was a lot more like understanding where it seemed like a lot of people, like even people who didn't like it, were more understanding. But it seems like since the last Jedi came out, like there's just people that are so divisive on it that I feel like that could be another thing where some of those people are just like, "Nah, I'm done. Like I'm not doing this anymore," which is a little silly, but whatever. So uh, that's a little bit of the history, the production history. Um, I think we also mentioned that last time when we tried to do this that. It also came out at a wrong, at like not the best time, mm-hmm. because it came out like on the the coattails of Infinity War and Deadpool two, so yeah. it seemed like it maybe maybe if they had bumped and it back Memorial to like Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial Day weekend, so it almost feels like maybe if they had bumped it back to like beginning of June, like 
maybe or maybe even mid-june it may have done a little bit better in the box office um but those are just that's just a little bit about the numbers because and and you know the history of the production but now let's we're gonna get into actually talking about it and actually going over what we thought about it and so our initial reactions what we thought let's start with pate pate what did you think of solo um, I really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, I know, kind of like you, I had some mixed feelings. I didn't expect to hate it because, based off the trailers and everything, I thought it would be good. And I'm not the most critical of critics, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm, I grew up with the prequels. I never knew that people even really hated them until I went to college. And then once I started seeing some things as you get older, you notice, like, yeah, they don't really hold up as well as some of the old ones. But overall, I mean... Looking back, they're a part of my childhood, and it's still Star Wars to me. But um, going into this, though, I, I was really kind of blown away by how good it was because I was already starting to see things pop up where fans were um, initially reacting badly to it. And um, I kind of put it in between, like, The Last Jedi and Rogue One. Like, it's not quite as good as Rogue One as a spinoff movie, but I, I enjoy this one better than The Last Jedi, personally. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, Drew, what'd you think? Man, I I uh, liked it a lot. Um, I think it goes back to what you were talking about a minute ago when you know Disney lets go actors in the middle of a movie. That's not good for any film. And uh, I, I, the two things that made me f- have a little glimpse of hope in this movie was Donald Glover because I think he's a phenomenal actor and I like him in everything. And I thought he was oh, yeah. just the best possible person they could have casted as a young Lando um, and I was excited about that and and the second thing was I really have a lot of faith in Ron Howard um, and I thought he could make something out of this so went to the theater with like my hope my, my expectations in the gutter because I really wasn't sure and I left really enjoying the movie now there's a few things I don't like but overall I think it's fun that's the best word I can come up with it's a fun mm-hmm. summer e-movie it's a little bit of a light, more lighthearted take in the Star Wars universe. It's not as big of a story. It's not like I was telling my wife that I feel like it's not like uh, what I liked about the film is it, it, the the plot was uh, was a uh, the stakes were high for the the characters in the story, but the stakes weren't like the universe. Like if if they didn't fail, they were gonna die. Yeah. Or if they did fail, they were going to die, yeah, but it wasn't like the whole universe was going to die. And that's un-Star wars But planets being blown up wasn't like the, you know, enforcing yeah, planets or, or or like an empire that's like destroying people's lives. So I, I yeah. liked that about it. So no, I, like I thought that. it was fun. I told somebody the other day that they should go check it out, and they're not usually Star Wars fans because it was fun. I, I really liked it. Right. All right, Tommy, what would you think? I thought it was the most Star Warsy Star Wars film I've seen in a while. Wow. There you go. I mean, anything else you want to say? No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, went in with you know I tried to go in with low expectation, but I'd heard so many good things. You, uh, Matt, you and Drew had both seen it before I got to see it. Um, everyone I know who had seen it before I walked in the theater had nothing but good things to say. And it wasn't until after mm-hmm. I left the theater that certain people on Facebook were ripping it apart. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and at that point I already had my own opinion. People on Facebook be negative. No, of course they're Crazy. my friends. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was fantastic though. I thought, um, 
Alden, whatever. Uh, sure. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job <laughs> just kind of not trying to be Harrison Ford, but really making Han Solo his own. Um, mm-hmm. I I just, you know, obviously the Childish Gambino was fantastic. When is he not? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, mm. What's he What's he bad in? I, nothing. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, I can't I've never seen him bad in anything. Atlanta is amazing. Mm. Community, he was fantastic. Yeah, I still need to see it. I've heard nothing Same. but good things yeah, about com- it. Yeah, community is amazing. I think the only thing for me that was kind of a letdown was the Kessel Run. And I wanted something a little bit more, like, momentous. I, I don't know. I was expecting an entire armada chasing them through just... Um, mm-hmm. I don't know something a well, little and, bit and, thicker and than we'll, that. And we'll get into cloud. a little later. We'll get into a little more details of some of the stuff we didn't like or whatnot. Um, but but you you overall really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, overall right? I thought it was great. That was, that's cool. I um I also went into this movie thinking for sure I wasn't going to care for it based on the production history. Based on I didn't really care to see a Han Solo movie. Like I feel like they did a good enough job establishing his character you know in a new hope but um i went in and i came out even even some like i i avoided most reviews but there's a couple reviewers i like because we usually share opinions like i usually what they say i'm like that's how i view it but even one of my reviewers i just watched a few minutes just to see what he thought and he was kind of meh about it and i was like well that stinks that's probably what i'm gonna be but no i can't i went in and was shocked by by that at the end of it i looked at my girlfriend and i went what what, what'd you think and she was like i really liked it i was like i did too that was weird i did i really enjoyed it it was it was it wasn't perfect but like overall i thoroughly enjoyed most of that movie and was shocked about it so um yeah so our initial reactions it sounds like most all of us we really liked it so let's let's dive in spoilers section now to um some of the things that we really like, some of the things we didn't like, acting, characters, let's just go ahead and dive in and talk about. The first thing I kind of want to mention is I love the look of this film. Mm-hmm. I really like the look of Rogue One and the look of Solo because they've done a fantastic job, in my opinion, of capturing what I think of when I imagine the empire era of star wars like the what we know of as star wars from the original trilogy i think it looks and feels like that time period and i think that's really cool that they've captured that and i just i love the aesthetic every part of it it's it's everything's a little dirty and a little gritty but that doesn't keep them away from going to places that are bright that have a little bit of of personality and stuff like definitely in the very beginning the first planet we see carillion definitely is grim and gritty and ugh but we get to see a snow planet and like a little bit of a desert planet and we get to see some like all kinds of different stuff and i just really like the look of this film i thought they did a really good job um that's the the first thing i wanted to make sure we touched on what's some other stuff we liked well i was just gonna say i think that goes back to what tommy was saying a minute ago that for me this did feel like a very star warsy star wars film because it had that look and i I, the the analogy I used the other day, and I think it kind of captures it in some ways. Is it's it kind of reminds me of like Cuba, like Cuba has all these old cars and this old stuff that they've maintained and they've kept, and it has this just patina to it. Um, and Star Wars is always 
especially the original trilogy had that it looked like everything was well used and it lived in i guess uh, where a lot of sci-fi comes off is just really shiny and uh man i Corellia looked like chicago dirty chicago um and I really like that. It felt felt like a real place. Uh, I don't know if that's what you were really trying to get at, Tommy, but that's kind of what pops in my head when you said yeah. the most Star Warsy Star Wars movie. Well, it was it was multiple things. It was the like a lot of it really had to do with the tone and the way that the film just like carried itself. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, uh, but I mean, yeah, everything felt real. And when you watch the original trilogy, and you're you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I just. I can't disagree with you because I think you hit it right on the money. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just there's well, and, just so much to it. Yeah, and nothing against Force Awakens or even the Last Jedi. I mean, I think all of us like the Last Jedi, but it 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 doesn't feel the same. And I, I think that's intentional because it's supposed to be newer and in the future. And some things do feel Star Warsy, but. I don't know. There's something about the era, Matt, you were talking about, the Imperial era of Star Wars, mm-hmm. that season, that time period that had this feel to it that I feel like Solo just nailed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Empire is so daunting. And yeah. it's such, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like uh, going to, I'm going to go to a Pokemon analogy here. It's why I like Team Rocket over any other villain. That is the, like, that is my villain. That is the villain I grew up with. Yeah. And in the newer mm-hmm. Star Wars, you know, we've we've got an evolved version that isn't it's not the same entity. Um Yeah. And I think that this one did. It really did kind of go back to the roots of it all. And uh yeah, I think that plays a big part. I'd agree with that. Um Man, there's so much in this movie I liked. And they're trying to think of specific stuff. Oh, I do know one thing that we kinda I thought was interesting. So me, Pay, and Drew all listen to a, another podcast called Story and Star Wars. Great podcast. If you're a Star Wars fan, go check it out. Um, but uh, we listened, the guy, Alistair, on there uh, kind of talked about something that I think is fascinating and I definitely wanted to, to go over and mention because I did notice this, is at the very beginning of the movie, it feels like beat for beat walking through America film from the 30s through like the 60s and what's going on. So like the movie begins and we're on Corellia and it really feels like the 1930s noir type films like we're in New York, it's dark and gritty or Chicago or something like that. And then we immediately move into 1940s and we're in like a war. It feels like World War II. We get to see actually the Empire going and quote-unquote liberating planets which i thought was interesting that in the movie han was just like we're not liberating like we're like we're the like you know invaders here like this is kind of crazy or whatnot um but then we move into like the heist stuff which feels more like a band of brothers style um war movie where we got everybody who's got their specific unique skills and stuff like that and then right after that when we're introduced to dryden voss and our um other conflict moving forward it feels like the post-war uh west coast kind of style movies and like that's just super cool to see that unfold and feels very very ron howard because that's that's kind of something that seems i think i don't know for sure but that seems like something that ron howard probably had a part in um molding and crafting that i could be wrong that could have been something that the other guys had came up with but that's it seems very ron howard 
and I think that's super super cool. Um, that makes me yeah, kind of like you said, the uh, even before I saw the movie, uh, um, just some of the yeah. trailers, I kind of noticed like how they were going for kind of a 1930s vibe for it, but I didn't expect them to go through kind of the history of film, like you said, and I thought that was interesting when it was pointed out. Um, and uh, some of the summer stuff, yeah, I love the look. It ha- it definitely had looked like a Star Wars movie. And the tone of it was a lot, a lot more lighthearted. But one of the things I really love that um, Alistair also pointed out in Story and Star Wars is that this is one of the first movies, really the only Star Wars movie, where you just get to see what life is like throughout the galaxy as a whole. Like you, yeah, I don't think anyone ever said "May the Force be with you." At any yeah, this point. is the. It's the first Star Wars movie the Force is completely absent from. Like, so we get to... No, we didn't see that. We didn't see anybody moving rocks or anything like that. And, like, uh, it's... it's. I think it's true. Like, we get to see what it may actually be like to live in this world. While in every other story, you know, like Drew said, the stakes are high. We've got our hero, whether or not it's somebody a hero that's been thrown into the role or who stepped up to the role or you know fate has put them in that role this is just a story in the star wars because even rogue one the stakes were high because even outside of that story we know the gravity of what is happening in this movie because it's literally the point of a new hope the a new hope is about the plans of the death star so rogue one has this importance because we know the importance of this but this it's just a story it's just an exciting story that we're following a character we know which is probably one of the reasons that like a lot of people think this movie can be forgettable because in comparison it's so different from the other ones but i think that's what makes it refreshing almost and and i and i kind of appreciate it more and so i think that's i think that's a real real important thing to mention pate i'm glad you brought that up um let's talk about characters let's start with let's just talk about alden ehrenreich let's talk about han solo since this is a movie i know we're going to talk about lando i know we're going to talk about woody harrelson's character beckett but let's talk about han solo and what we thought about him um tommy what are your thoughts on han solo in this movie our main character um i would say well i mean i already said that i I really thought that Alden really like made it his own. I'm glad that he didn't try to go in and be um, Harrison Ford. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little. I think my only real disappointment is how Solo got his what I'm going to call comic book name. Yes. Um, yeah. So this is so we're divided on this one because me and Tommy aren't really a big fan of how he gets his name and Peyton drew really like it and i can see where people like it but me and tommy like i think we what did we decide that if if in the moment so in the movie like an imperial officer just gives him the name solo because he's by himself and i think me and tommy decided if he had given himself that name it may have made more sense and fit the character a little bit better but it, it didn't necessarily do it for me and tommy but but well i know, drew and Peyton, y'all I, like it. i stand by liking it because one, I know what you're guessing, and he's like this wisecracking Han Solo, which we see that, but he's still real young at this point. 
Um, and he's also just lost, you know, the love of his life, at least in his mind at that moment. And he's a little rattled. So it doesn't make sense to me that he would have done that in that scene. And the other part is, is I just, I like, I like this newer trend we have in, you know, Ray's character that Ray is a nobody in The Last Jedi. I know a lot of people hate that and they think she's got to be related to somebody. And <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's kind of poetically beautiful that, you know, Solo is a nobody and somebody gave him this name and then the legend grew around that. Um, I, I don't know. I just like that. Um, yeah, see, I'm the opposite, though. Like, I, I get the poeticness of it. The same thing with using Ray being nobody and her parents being nobody. I get the poeticness of that, but I still don't buy it. I don't buy that Ray is just a nobody. I don't buy that Solo just got the name. I, I, I like the idea that the name kind of came from nowhere and he it became this legend, but... I don't necessarily buy it that that's just how well, it happened. And that's that's my. I'm okay with it because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, well, I can't change and it's, anything. It's not but... a huge thing, but I I liked it because at the end of the day, any scoundrel, I mean, any con man in all of history, like, was nobody, and then he created this persona about him. You know what I'm saying? So like, I mean, Han Solo is no different. Boba Fett wasn't wasn't always terrifying. Like he created the name for, I don't know. That's, that's just me thinking that I just, I, it's a little thing, but I think it's interesting. No, no, I get it. Cause like almost the original, a new hope had this, that vibe of the farm boy who became the hero. But then the prequels almost kind of ruined that because we realized he's not just a farm boy. He's a Skywalker. And we understand the importance of that now, but like that kind of goes back to that whole, anybody can step up and be a hero. You don't, for, for Solo, you don't have to be just, you know, magical space wizards yeah, or whatnot. Yeah, I, like, um, I like that. My thought on him was this. Um, I had to remind myself most of the movie that he was Han Solo until the later half of the movie. Because in the later half, his character develops a little more, and we see his arc. We see where he's going, and by the end of it, I look and I go, yeah. This guy's Han Solo. I can see it. I can see where he is going to be in a few years and a no, new hope. And because of that, I think if I go back and watch it again, the beginning, I'm going to see Han the whole time. Because he is young, we get to see his character develop. But for the first half of that movie, I, I didn't I didn't see it as well. I like the character. I like his acting. I like who that young Han Solo. But it wasn't until I saw where his character developed and became what I think of as solo that I went, okay, yeah, I see it. And it got there. And like I said, I can see where the character's going. And I, I like that. So it was better than I expected. Bravo, Alden. I wouldn't mind seeing him back in another movie. So I like, I'm with Tommy too. I think that it wasn't Harrison Ford. And I like that. Like it was a, it was a different take on Han Solo, but uh, I, I didn't have as hard of time accepting him as solo and it mm. just rolled with it. I liked his vibe of it. I was worried that the movie was going to, you know, we get to see the origin of his name and the origin of the blaster and the origin of the Falcon. I was a little worried the whole movie was going to be like, here's how he got his vest. Here's how he got the scar <laughs> on his chin. Here's how this, this, this. So I was glad that they they held back and it was just like his name, his blaster, and obviously we have to tell the story of the Falcon. Like, that that was about all we got. We didn't see the Corellian blood stripes, his boots, and the vest because there's all backstory on all that stuff i'm glad they didn't just go this movie's gonna explain all of that because you need to know uh, I, I, yeah i'm glad I was, they refrained i was from just that. gonna say that um, um 
I know a so, lot of yeah. people. All right, so Han Solo is good. Any anyone else want to touch on Han? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to touch on Han. But um, but yeah, I was going to say that I know a lot of people were worried about um this actor's <laughs> portrayal of um Han and everything. But once I actually got into the movie, like at the beginning, I could tell this is not the typical Han Solo. But since he's younger, I kind of expected him to be a lot more idealistic, and he definitely was. But kind of like you said, Matt, by the end of it, I was fully convinced, like, yeah, this is definitely the the Han that we know and stuff. So you really just see that transition, and I thought that they did a good job of showing it. <laughs> Which is actually more impressive if you think about yeah. it. Like, that's more impressive that, like, beginning mm-hmm. of the movie i was like yeah i like this guy but he's not my han solo and by the end i'm like okay no yeah he's that that's han solo i can see it that's that's more impressive i think so i think that's cool all right let's talk about lando man lando is like probably my favorite part of this whole movie i've Kicks already said everywhere. i love uh donald glover and i just think he was awesome and i'll just say he was great capes love the capes yep capes are cool he was very inspired by um, Billy D. Williams, which I thought, but but still, same thing with uh, mm-hmm. Alden Ehrenreich. It felt inspired, but it wasn't like a carbon copy. Like he, they, he really, Donald Glover definitely made Lando his own character, and I, he was awesome. He was smooth. He was cool. He <laughs> cheats at the game to win, which is hilarious. It's a total. Like, it's a total Lando thing to do, man. Such a Lando thing to do. Uh, so I have a question, and I thought about this later. So we go to see the Falcon, and it's in the impound lot. I have a question. Do did he know that it was impounded, or even more interesting? Yeah, was it yeah, was actually his ship, his. or did they just steal some dude's ship? That was that's impounded? what I wanted to know. Well, it, it's his ship because he has an entire closet full of capes, and no one okay, is going to have an entire closet okay, full of capes. True. Well, that's or, true. Or Lando. does does Lando carry around a suitcase with nothing but capes? Well, true, but they were already hung up and everything. So, like, he could have I mean, unpacked. he probably does. He could have unpacked. I'm just saying, like, he I almost, I, I almost wish that, like, that was the case that they just straight jacked it from somebody because that's like the running thing with the Falcon is it just keeps getting stolen by people. Like, we, we even, even in the newer movies, like when Han and them finally found it, they talked about how like it traded hands four or five times, and Han's been looking for it for years or whatnot. I think that would have been hilarious if it came like there was some line about like them just jacking it from somebody else and then you know han gets it but no you're right that the fact that there's a closet full of capes means that it was lando's but i do think he knew it was impounded and he was like you guys can take care of this right right i i did i did like you know talking about and we're going to talk about this a little bit later like one of my things i didn't like about it was star wars referencing star wars but one point that worked, I thought, was the whole impounding scene of saying, you know, he makes this deal and Beckett's like, well, uh, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't even notice like, that reference. Which there's a few that like I had to go back to mirrors like, an empire. Really kind of like, like turn on like this my deal just keeps Star getting Wars worse and worse with the empire. Really like <laughs> listen for those, but um, but yeah, I kind of like you said in the last session, Matt. It's kind of like they winked, like, hey, that's a Star Wars reference. Did you catch it? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. 
another thing I really liked about this film was um, um, I liked there was a train heist, which we've never seen in Star Wars. We didn't even know trains existed in Star Wars until this point. Um, I don't really understand why they do, but it's okay. It was awesome. Um, and there was a speeder chase. And I know yeah, some of you people are like, car, well, episode two has like a car stuff. speeder chase. That's bull crap. This one actually felt like a, like a real car chase. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. there was more. Yeah, there was more physicality to it. It wasn't like in the air. This is more of what it feels like, you know, straight out of you know, what was that movie, Tommy? You mentioned uh, Rush. Howard. Rush. Yeah, it had a Rush vibe to it. And I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, so yeah. No, I agree. I think I think that's that's a cool thing. I also like I, uh, just thinking about. It, I like that he goes like he turns the speeder sideways and goes through all the thing, but it doesn't work. Because, like, that works way too often in Star Wars when it shouldn't work. Agreed. Um, so it's I'm true. glad that they finally kind of was like, yeah, this doesn't work out every yes. time. If you think about it, the Falcon flies through some spots that, like, that thing should not fit through half. Like, Return of the Jedi is awesome, but when the Falcon flies into the Death Star, the second Death Star, that play, that thing is way too tight for the for the freaking Falcon to be flying. Agreed. In. Agreed. Send all the other little ships in. My like, favorite, what are you doing? My favorite little comic about Return of the Jedi is they're sitting down to plan the new Death Star. They're like, you know, that proton torpedo size hole was uh was what calls us last time. Do you think we should make some Millennium Falcon-sized holes that are big enough to get all the way to the reactor? You think that'll help? Uh, yeah, let's totally do that. No, my favorite thing joke about that is, like, there's this 8-bit comic of, like, the guy who designed the Death Star, and he's going over, and he's like, guys, it's an exhaust vent. It sh- it should- it's not going to suck in torpedoes. You're talking about a world where... Nobody told me that this is a world where we have space wizards. Like, this is not my fault. We have to... Ha- it's more impressive that I may- managed to only have one exhaust port, people. It's it's hilarious. Um, but back to Solo. Sorry. Uh, so Lando's awesome. Donald Glover. I, I think we all would love to see a Lando movie. Like, he was good enough. I think they could do that. I don't think they will. But I mean, how awesome cool. would a Lando movie of, like, pure heist or, like, a 70s, almost like black exploitation type film... Yeah, that'd yes, be awesome. I'd be down with that. I mean, he's already got the capes. I just want. Mm-hmm. I just want because doesn't Donald Glover help? Like he's the creator behind Atlanta, right? Yes. So yeah. like, I want to see like a Donald Glover like helmed Star Wars movie with Lando as the key character. I think that'd be brilliant. Well, you know the 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 John Favreau was the voice of uh, the monkey Rio Rio, the like monkey pilot. Uh, I've been trying to play the, the whole time. Yes, John Favreau. He's the one who's doing the the live action Star or Wars Star Wars series, thirteen thirteen really that game on, that never I kind of came think out. it may be like the underworld stuff, like Star Wars Underworld or whatnot. I mean, I think Favreau's a fantastic director too. <sighs> nah, I like to, I like to see that thirteen thirteen. R.I.P. Poor little out for thirteen thirteen. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of cool. I liked Rio. That was a fun character. I was sad when he sh- got shot. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of death in this movie more than i was expecting to be quite honest like they mm-hmm. i felt like they were killing people throughout the whole thing um mm-hmm. you know and for the same studio that makes marvel i gotta say i was impressed yeah that's well true. they are i mean disney owns them both but they are different studios that's fair right? that's yeah no that is fair yeah that's fair because marvel has its own <laughs> specific studio um yeah um, is there anything else we liked guys before we talked about some of the things we didn't like 
I liked Woody Harrelson's character Beckett a lot. I like Darth he Maul. He was cool. Surprise. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, Darth Maul. Yeah, okay. Let's go ahead and talk about Darth Maul. And then, sorry, I didn't. So mean Darth Maul hijack. shows up in this movie out of nowhere. Well, just like Darth Maul hijacked our hearts in this movie. That's right. That's right. So here's the thing. Like I knew it was him instantly because it's the same actor from Episode One. But if you've never seen Clone Wars, Maul shows back up with Clone Wars. So if you're a Darth Maul fan, you need to watch Clone Wars because he has like a couple entire arcs about him. But anyway, Looking he's at got you, Tommy. the the voice actor. That's right, Tommy. The voice actor for him is really good. Like he's got a really menacing voice, and it's the voice actor from Clone Wars dubbing over. So I heard the voice and instantly went, "There's no way that's Darth Maul." And then I saw his robot legs and went, oh my god, that's going to be Darth Maul. And so when he took his hood off, I was Crimson like, Dawn. no freaking Dawn, way. Yeah. So Darth Maul is apparently still around, and apparently he's the head of this whole crime. What was it called? Crimson, Crimson Sun? Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Dawn? Crimson Dawn. Which makes sense, because in Clone Wars, he ends up getting involved in a lot of the crime underlord. He and- ends up taking over all the crime lords in Clone Wars, correct? Like, he ends up bargaining packs with the Hutt cartels and the Pikes and the Black Suns. Basically, a lot a lot happens with him. Like, because basically, he's, he's trying to get back power, but he can't really take power from the Empire or the Rebellion, so he just starts taking over the underworld. Um, it's really cool stuff. So he apparently, at the very end, Amelia Clark's, uh, Clark's character, Kiara, uh, I knew at the end of this movie she was either going to die or she was going to betray Han because <laughs> there's no way that they were going to have a happy ending and it be, and you know, Solo become yeah. the character we know him as. So the end, she double, double, double tr- crosses Han. I don't know, some, it's like three double crosses or something. And she calls Darth Maul. And basically, we find out that Maul's in charge of, and there's all these little hints. Oh yeah, like I think Drew talked. You mentioned that there's a there's a well, there's uh, a holocron. Mm-hmm. There's a Sith holocron in Dryden Voss's there's place. A, there's there's a, a there's Mandalorian armor that's red, which is a reference mm-hmm. back to Death Watch and when he took over Mandalore. Uh, spoilers if you've not seen Clone Wars. Um, there's a Sith holocron, but the most interesting one that I didn't catch so right after they kept making this reference to this martial arts style that Dryden Voss knew, knew as well as Kira knew and you see them kind of being martial artists and a cool fact is that's the like fighting style that Darth Maul uses uh, and I that's read cool. that after the fact but that was like a really cool tie in so like if you if you're paying attention he's obviously the guy in charge from the very beginning but you don't he, know that yeah and they also mentioned that their relationship with the Pikes are really rocky and in Clone Wars like he does a lot of bad stuff to the pikes so like it's like oh yeah that would make sense because they wouldn't have a good relationship because of maul because what he did in clone wars so it's all the little hints are really really cool so we talked about we mentioned that like that that sets up maybe possibly a solo sequel because we get the whole darth maul reveal and we also get solo going to tatooine so like a lot of people think they're going to do a sequel, but I think we talked decided yes, yesterday when we tried to record this that we don't think they're gonna do another solo sequel because we think his we think his story makes sense. We're good. We know what's coming next. He's gonna go to Jabba. He's gonna try to do a job for Jabba. It's gonna go bad, and he's going to spend the rest the next five years trying to get out from under Jabba's control because he owes him so much money, which leads into a new hope. We don't really need to see that, or like it would be cool, but. I'm okay with that. Like, I understand where Solo is and where he's going. I think we're good. 
I do think there's potential, though, for maybe even possibly the Kenobi movie or the Boba Fett movie they're talking about doing. This maybe becoming a, like, pseudo-trilogy where they may kind of connect, but they're not actually a trilogy. So we get introduced to this whole Maul storyline, which maybe is explored in Kenobi or is maybe even explored well, in think, Boba Fett movie. I think it shows and some then potential. We get expanded you might get maybe that. some comics or That's where I think this may be going. Explain but that's, what that's happens just to Kira completely and speculative. Like their relationship and I stuff like that. Because I, I would kind of like to know what happens there with her taking over Crimson Dawn and like what is it? What is her relationship with Maul like? And do her and Han have a falling mm-hmm. out? Yeah. Yeah. Or what? What she was doing in in those three years? You know, what what was it that led her? Because she she talks about her decisions, and obviously we see where both Han and her decisions changed who they were. Where Han still ultimately is a good guy, who but at the end of this is maybe getting a little more bitter towards you know things because of this stuff. Yeah. While it seems like her decisions have already led her to be the person she is, where she's more still more concerned with surviving than helping out a friend or whatnot, which is an interesting character th- piece. Um, yeah, so Maul was cool. Uh, I liked, like I said earlier, and I, didn't, I liked Beckett. I liked Woody Harrelson's character because it kind of felt like what Han's going to become. Um, he was just really cool. I thought he was a cool mentor for Han. It made it made a lot of sense. Uh, he was really cool. Both of the whole, that whole squad, I, liked, I really liked the action. They were all really good at what they did, and I just thought it was a lot of fun. Um, let's talk, touch a little bit before we move into some stuff maybe we didn't like. Uh, let's touch a little bit on L337 because we've got, uh, Star Wars has done really good with like their it. droids. Uh, you know, we've got BBA, R2D2, um, K2SO. They've all been really great. What did we think of yeah, L3? Yeah, she was different too. I liked her. Yeah. Though I felt like she was a bit of a rehash of K2SO. Oh, yeah. Rogue definitely. One. Personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was, she was, but I, uh, I don't know. I like K two a lot. He's probably my favorite droid in all of Star Wars. Sorry, BB eight and R two, but um, I didn't care. I, I don't know. I just it didn't. I mean, it was good, but the more I think about it, I don't know. It just, I don't know. She was fine. I liked her, but it wasn't my favorite part either. Yeah, um, I'm kind of okay. So her whole thing was like she was you know all about liberating the droids and stuff who were treated badly and whatnot and obviously you know there's some parallels to that in our world but for me i feel like i feel like they should have toned it down just a little bit because to me it felt like it was pushing pushing making a joke like being a joke and um so my girlfriend put it well that she thought I asked her what she thought of L3, and she said she felt like it was them trying to kind of making fun of feminists, like real extreme feminists and stuff like that, which I can kind of get. And especially with the whole stuff touching on like droids and whether or not they have sentience and like the poor treatment of droids is not something new in Star Wars. We see it in the original Star Wars when A New Hope, when the droids aren't allowed in the bar or whatnot. But this, we've never seen it to this extent. And I feel like them by put doing it as much as we saw, I feel like that's just not a story that they're really going to touch on. And so I feel like they could have toned it back just a little bit because, it, it's like I said, to me it just felt like it was pushing on a little too much of being a joke. 
and I don't know if that necessarily worked as well. I thought the character was fine. It was a different take on a droid. Um, I thought it was really cool that she gets integrated into the Falcon because I always wondered how the Falcon was able to navigate so much better than other ships because it always seems like other ships in the Star Wars world have to calculate longer for jumps while the Falcon always seems to be able to just jump to hyperspace without really any issues. And so that kind of makes sense because she has like a crazy good navigational system. And also, Pate, you mentioned that in uh, one of the movies, Empire, I think it was, Mm -hmm. that C-3PO is talking to the ship's computer and he makes a statement that the ship has an interesting dialect and has an interesting way of communicating. And so I, I do think that's cool. I think yesterday we made the joke about how now, whenever the Falcon stops working, we just picture L three being in the in the computer, being like, "Nah, we ain't making that jump. We're not doing that. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't want to go there, so we're not making this jump or whatnot." So I think that's I think that I think that expands the character of the of the Falcon a little bit more. That's right, Tommy. What did you think of L three? Because I know you kind of had a thought yesterday too. <laughs> I had just one, only one. Um, what was that thought? No, I. I I'm on the fence. I didn't really like uh, K2 all that much either, but it's partly because I like my droids dumb and uh, mm-hmm. speaking in beeps and boops and making beeps. Yeah, like <laughs> I I don't know. To me, C3PO was a special droid because he had a voice box and because he was built as a translator <laughs> sort. Do you believe in equal I, uh, rights? For I don't all know droids. where I fall on the spectrum of bot equality. Um. <laughs> me either Tommy me either (laughs) would you sign this petition for equal rights for all droids just uh I don't know where I fall on that spectrum of things you know but I I thought it was funny she was definitely a sassy character uh Mm -hmm. brought comedic relief for sure but um I don't know uh I don't think she necessarily added to the film in any way no, yeah, I, do, I definitely do. Do, do. Am I? Do y'all see kind of where I was talking about though? Am I wrong in thinking that, or do y'all kind of see where no, I where yeah. I was coming at on that? It was too strong. Okay, I I just making sure like that's kind of how I saw it. I, I I'm with Tommy. I don't necessarily think she added too much, but it was an interesting take on a character. And I also do like Tommy's whole thought of like the care the the droids that you have to get their personality from their physical actions and their the way that they communicate with their boops and stuff is much more satisfying than when they can just talk and have a sassy or a and some kind of personality i think i had a, a pretty uh, i had a better way of explaining it yesterday too because i think that they spent a little more time giving uh the robots more personality when they didn't speak because you think of the comedic relief when bb8 pops out with his little like thumbs up um lighter you know kind of moment yeah um which would have been ruined if he had a voice box that wasn't beeps and boops in my opinion so i think yeah instead he does the little thumbs up and but instead if he just was like yeah man you good yeah i I got you or whatnot it wouldn't have had the same effect no i and so that's just kind of where I sit with it. I think that there's a little bit more put into the personality of the robot when they didn't have a voice to speak with. But you know, I can see that because even our even C3PO is kind of an idiot. So yeah, that even he kind of feels like a little bit of an exception compared to before we got K2SO and L337. So, um, all right. So 
What did we think of the Falcon? And then we can talk about things we may not have liked. Um, I was gonna say that the the scene where they were Han and Chewie see the Falcon, and it's that uh, the, I really like the shot composition of that kind of downward shot um, of them looking up at the cockpit was really great and felt very Star Warsy in not a bad way. Um, I remember you saying, Tommy, that you like you knew the guy who was the director. Mm-hmm. of... Yeah, the DP, the director DP? of photography. Uh, he did Arrival and Ain't Them Body Saints. And yeah. um, he's just, I, I've always loved his work. He's fantastic. And I think that this movie was no exception, even though it was, you know, just a solo piece of a Star Wars franchise. Yeah. It but, but really I, held I, its own. Yeah, and there were a few moments. The, the Falcon one's the one that stands out in my mind, especially. There's a few, there's some moments and I'm just like, man, this is just composed really well, put together really well. And that that was one of those mo- moments in this movie that happens in movies that communicates so much with only visuals. And I really liked that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. love the Falcon. I thought they did a great job explaining how it looked different and how it kind of got banged up through the Kessel Run. Um, I just like the whole thing. Um I like how it had a that, personality even now, and it explains how it has even more personality. I like it. The director of photography was Bradford Young. Thank you. Just, I just wanted to, especially since Tommy, you liked him so much, and he's done some other work. Yeah, definitely I'm, wanted us to credit him. I, uh, I'm actually disappointed that I didn't have his name in my memory bank. It's all good. Yeah, he did Arrival and. A most violent year yep. and Selma were some of the more, more recent stuff he's done. Um, yeah, the so yeah, the Falcon was cool. That moment Drew just talked about was great, like fantastic, not overacted, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that by the end of the movie, through all of like the wreckage of the Kessel Run, it's got its classic silhouette and it's more beat up and what we know. Man, as that the thing loses What does it even do? Is what like I want to know. Like business. the satellite dish. <laughs> Three antennas and stuff, are gone. I mean, for? it's kind of lost a few more at some point, right? Oh man. Yeah. Oh, surely. Okay. Surely it has. <laughs> Who knows? It's for airflow. It's like I'm a sure spoiler, basically. And, and, and you know what? You know what? I just thought of. I've always wondered why the heck. Because in this design, like the the dish is laid flat, it's not sticking up. And I always wondered, well, why would why would they put the dish facing like the way that it is in the original? But now it makes sense because I know Han just strapped the dish up there and was like, "That'll work. We're good. Well, that'll do." And I thought another kind of cool moment was it, you explain why Han has a bit more of love for the this ship beyond the fact that it's just the Falcons. You know, he's he makes that one statement. That his father, you know, worked on the lines in Corellia making these, mm-hmm. and his his dad wanted to be a pilot. That was that was a cool. It was, it was just a very small nod. snippet, but it explains why he loves these kind of ships before he ever met the Falcon. I guess if that makes sense. Um, because yeah, and I, how he can just keep it going even though it's like falling apart always. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I just I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, so yeah, the Falcon's just great, great character. Great to see that it looks like the classic Falcon by the end. Um, now, the last thing we'll talk about, let's touch on some of the things, because I think overall we really liked a lot in this movie, but there are some stuff we didn't care for. So, Drew, you talked about the ending kind of getting bogged down, and I agree with this. So, kind of go over what we kind of talked about, how we feel like the ending gets a little dragged out because of something. Yeah, my, my biggest beef with Star Wars A Solo Story 
uh, is I like it. I think the first two thirds of the story are tight and very entertaining. I think the whole movie is very entertaining, but the part that I felt like was like tying a piano to the story's neck and dragging it down was when we find out that Infus Nets and these space pirates have been chasing them around from the beginning aren't space pirates. They're like the proto rebels, like the 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 beginning of the rebellion. And all of a sudden, you know, it's we've we've kind of jammed in this bigger the galaxies at stake. We need this fuel so we can save people's lives kind of thing. And it just wasn't I don't know, it, it felt like it bloated the ending. I think Matt, you put it really well, it adds another conflict into the story that never gets resolved. It's it's just a flood of exposition at the end point of the story where we should be wrapping up what we've already yeah. established. So it's like a flood of exposition for like some characters that could have just that were kind of just a side thing, and it also feels like them having to shoehorn the fact that the whole empire rebellion thing is still a thing. Well, and I just um, I just don't believe that Han Solo like started the rebellion by giving away hundreds of thousands of. <laughs> Me, me and my yeah. wife, we, we were talking about this because I think all of us agreed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all of us agreed last night when we were talking about this that none of us buy, even the younger Han, the more optimistic Han, the Han that says, I've got a good feeling about this when he's flying into the, you know, the, the space storm, um, would, get, would have given away all of that space fuel. Like, I just don't believe it. And my wife, she made a really astute point. I thought, she's like, yeah. She's like, I could see them, him giving them some of it and telling him them that was all of it and then keeping, like, half of it for himself. I'm like, yeah, that's the Han Solo I know. That's more of yeah. Han. Him giving it all away, that it doesn't al- even fit his character back then. It almost feels like it could have stayed the same as if at the very end when he gets the Falcon back, if they walk into, like, a container, like, open one of the containers and flip back a blanket, and, like, the majority of it's still there, and they're like, ha good thing we still have this puppy, and then they, like, hide it. Instead, he's got, what, one vial yeah. of it yeah. at and, the end? And I guess what they're trying to do is tie back into the very beginning of the movie when he had one vial of it, but... I don't know. It just, no, but it, it didn't I, I'm work. still with you. I don't. I don't necessarily buy even this this younger solo funding a rebellion and giving away that much money. Tommy, what do you think about this? No, I concur. I don't think that Han Solo would have. Han Solo's always been in it for himself. He's always. I mean, look at the beginning of the film. He's in a a colony of young misfits who have Street to fend rats. for themselves. Yeah. Um, why why would Han Solo care about these kids what they're doing like I I just I don't buy it I really don't well and you don't even see it at the beginning I mean he's getting himself out and he's taking Kira with him but it's because it's his girlfriend yeah it's his the love of his life like yeah so but 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 that's even selfish reasons I mean it's you know it's what he wants so that's what he wants to do um yeah, yeah. I I also uh, when when Infus Nest, which sounds like a Destiny character every time I hear it. Listen, the helmet uh, looked like a fallen captain if I ever saw. That's one. true. When Infus Nest, when like she takes her helmet off and there's like the reveal, I thought for sure it was Woody Harrelson and his and Val, his like wife, girlfriend's like daughter, like a secret daughter, and like this big reveal because it felt very Star Warsy. 
because they like st- stayed on it for so long and then like it was just like no she's just she's supposed to be a reveal that it's a girl and there's like so like, much oh. teenage angst I really do I felt like that was I agree because it, it totally <laughs> felt like this rebellious teen like screw you dad I'm gonna do what I want <laughs> Yeah, because well, they also always seem to show up like they had, like they knew, like they had some kind of connection with them, and like so, like when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, before that's they actually, sh- and like, then they just start talking. what happened like, to Kira when I'm you wrong. first see yep, Empress Nest. I really mind. thought like to be just that was Kira, and something. like she would become like a crime lord or something like that. But then she shows up at Beckett's ship. I'm like, okay, so it's not Kira. Yeah. I thought that yeah, too. That been interesting. I, I thought that she was trying to double cross her boss by like running this side gang. Um, that would have been interesting. Well, it would have been really interesting if she would have disappeared and then it, she would have taken her helmet off and it would have been her and she yeah. was trying to take down Dryden. That would have been. I don't know. Right. Again, I think the rebellion thing, it felt just shoehorned in. And I mean, just us talking here, there's like three or four different story hooks that, that it could have been. Yeah, because they never actually not, fight the not, Empire, a lot nicer so bow on top of that ending of like, the story. Kind of throw that in there. What the kind of craziness we got at the end? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh no, he did. He did smack that one Tie Fighter oh, real yeah, hard. That was, cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. The other thing that I didn't care for, and Drew touched on this too, was like I we have to be careful when Star Wars starts directly referencing Star Wars, because so the the one I think about, and there's multiple stuff that happens. Um, I felt like there was more in the beginning of the movie than later on, but like the one I think about is when we have the at the very beginning the oh I just activated the therm- this thermal detonator, and like the direct reference to Return of the Jedi, it. It didn't. It, it sticks out to me like it's like it almost felt like Han should have turned to the camera and winked at us like, yeah, Star Wars reference. <laughs> and like I like to use the Force Awakens as a comparison because everybody, a lot of people like to say that it's just a remake of the A New Hope, and it's not. It's a homage. There's there's lots of things that are like referencing subtly so like the droid with the important information and stuff but it's not like beat for beat word for word the same so when we have something like that outside of the the every everything that's in star wars like that i've got a bad feeling about this um stuff like that that's always in a star wars that's different but when you're directly referencing star wars i don't think that works i think there's better more subtle ways to do that and so that happened a couple times especially at the beginning that kind of pulled me out of the moment also i don't know how i feel about han speaking uh chewbacca's language whatever language that is it kind of felt like that moment in um infinity war when thor's like oh i took a class on oh i took a class and yeah hey you guys (laughs) that is kind of what it felt like you guys well like i don't I don't mind him knowing it, but it, it felt weird to me that, like, he kept talking in Wookiee language when it's like, I'm pretty sure Chewbacca understands you. Like, you got his attention by doing it once. Like, you don't have to keep talking. And I guess you could point out that, like, they were being sneaky because there were guards above them. But that that was weird to me. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Chewie was awesome also. We didn't talk about Chewie, but Chewie's great. He ripped somebody's arms off. We got to see other Wookiees, and I like that it, they changed it because now he just chose to be with Han. In the old canon, he had like a life debt with Han. 
I like the fact that they've just formed a friendship and a bond that by the end of this, Chewie just chooses to stick around with Han, and I think that's awesome. I think that's better, and Chewie was great, as always. Chewie ripped somebody's arms off. It was great. I also love the yeah. moment of Chewie when him and Beckett are playing the hollow whatever the chess game is, and he gets mad, like, swipes it off. It was in some of the, like, the trailers right before the movie came out, and I laughed so hard, because it's just so funny. Uh, and <laughs> it, that's one of those. There's, that's one of there's those, a lesson to be learned yeah. in this. Well, and that's one of those moments where Star Wars is referencing Star Wars, and it works, and it adds to it. But there are moments in this film that it doesn't work, and it doesn't add to it. And I don't know, I feel like that's the danger in movies like this, is if you're not careful, it just ends up just not working right all right and finally the last thing i know we didn't care for tommy tell us about the kessel run guys it just wasn't it wasn't bad but it just it was not the climactic adventure that i've always assumed it was yeah i I agree with mm -hmm. that you know as i stated earlier i expected like a whole armada and they stole something from the empire and like there's a huge reason for them to be hauling tail. I yeah. Because let's be honest, he set a record in being chased by three star, like, I just yeah. I don't well, know. Three and, tie fighters. And in a day yeah, and age. Yeah, star fighters, sorry. Yeah. In, in a day and age where trailers give away everything, you know, that shot, and it's epic in the movie, too, oh, where they're leaving the castle run, and there's the Star Destroyer blocking the entire thing. And I'm like, this is the Kessel Run right here. Them running. It's like it's like the Empire Strikes Back asteroid field scene, like, taken to 11 kind of thing. And then that's yeah. it. Like, what we saw in the trailer was the, was all the Imperial fight, fight. That was all the entire Imperial fighting we saw in the whole movie, maybe? And, Besides the war stuff. But, but like, but our yeah. heroes fighting the Empire, I guess is what I'm saying. That's, that's true. That's it. And, man. Which stinks because that shot. Ooh. Goes back to what what Tommy said, where like we get the the what we think of as what we grew up with is the original enemy, like intimidating and terrifying. Because when that shot, I saw that shot in the trailer, but in the movies, when I saw it, I went, "Oh crap, that's terrifying!" Just the only way out, just this big star destroyer flying through this tiny little tube. Yeah. Also, the whole Cthulhu monster was kind of weird. Yeah. Like. The, the whole, it. like, black hole thing was cool, but, like, I think it, I'm with you, Tommy. Like, I think I would have liked it better if maybe there were more fighters chasing them, and maybe then the monster showed up, and it became, like, a, this is a problem. Oh, crap, it became a bigger problem instead of there just being, what, three fighters or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I liked the monster because that that is a Star Wars thing. So Star yeah. Wars has always had some oversized, you know, crazy shenanigans in the monster department and so that really felt like it fit but yeah i just i don't know and uh, i think we talked uh about they kind of changed what like the meaning of parsecs and um it's it's unit of measurement and i'm not super happy about that um well, no, from my understanding is it's always been a measure of distance. Well, in but the like, original, it's kind of one of those things. In the original script, it's kind of one of those up because they, they yeah, use it's kind of one of those time. things that it's it, it didn't really make sense. So, like in the expanded universe, they kind of like somebody told me that like in one of the expanded universes, it's explained that he flew close to like a black hole. So you know this theory of relativity that he literally like 
made the distance shorter than it was. Well, he so, did like, fly he near a black hole in this one. Yeah, and so that's how he 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 found a route that nobody knew and flew the Kessel run in under twelve parsecs because what I think they said what twenty four or twenty two is like the fastest you could fly it. So like he literally cut it in half almost. Well, that's, so, that's I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. What we got in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I would have I would have liked I don't know I would have liked to seen like three or four star destroyers chasing him through all the craziness. Tommy, I'm with you on that. Mm. Um, cool. So is there anything else we want to touch on? I feel like we've touched on all the stuff we liked, some of the stuff we didn't like. Is there anything else we want to add? I... Dryden Voss was a pretty good villain, I think. Yeah, Vision he did a good intimidating. job. <laughs> or as my wife keeps referring to it, Naked Chaucer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got to make sure that's in the podcast. She's Oh, absolutely. She's not. Because that was too funny. Yeah, she's not super happy with me about that right now. I can actually She'll hear her in the other room. But yeah, yeah. She'll be I fine. mean, it's her fault for thinking a Naked Chaucer the whole movie. You know. That's right. And if you don't know what that is, go watch A Night's Tale. Yes. He's in it. Paul Bettany's in it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can't say what I said last night because we're at the end of the podcast, not in the middle of it. <laughs> last night, said. we said this whole, like, this got brought up earlier in the podcast <laughs> last night. I'm like, if you've not seen A Night's Tale, quit the podcast. Go listen to it now. Now you can quit the podcast and go watch A Night's Tale because we're pretty much because wrapping we're up. We're pretty much done. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Well, then, if we don't have anything else we add to add, Lord help me for bringing this back <laughs> after last week. It is time to give it our rating, hopefully, of whether it's dope or nope, whether we loved it or we hated oh, it. There's always no other. There's no in-between opes. Oh. It's just dope or nope. So, Pate, since you're our guest, you get to go first. You get to rate Star Wars whether you give it a dope or a nope. So what do you give this movie? As always with Star Wars, I give it a dope. <laughs> All right. So we get our first dope. So you really liked it. Yes. All right, I'll go next. I'm giving it a dope. I thought for sure going into this movie, this was going to be my first nope on our podcast that I wasn't going to care for it. Or I was going to like it, wasn't going to like it enough to really give it a dope. But I was pleasantly surprised. I really, really enjoyed it. I kind of want to go see it again. I think it's one I'm definitely going to want to pick up. And it'll be a fun, just Star Wars-y story to throw on the TV when I want to watch Star Wars. So I am also giving it a dope. So Drew and Tommy, work with me here. Yeah, I give it an ope. Solid ope. Yeah, really? I, feel like, really? I feel like that's where I'm prone. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what we did last I, night. <laughs> I do think that uh, I do think that me and Tommy have a new challenge though, is to find a find a movie that Matt says nope to. I'm down with that. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I give this there one are a solid movies out dope. there exists. There are movies that exist. Wait, what'd you, what'd you say, Tommy? I said I'd give this a solid dope. I'm glad you liked it. I was, I was happy because I saw it and was so surprised that I was like, I know Drew's gonna like this. I think Tommy's gonna like it. So when I told y'all to go check it out, that'd be good. Tommy, I think you text us and was like, guys, 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 and I was like, what, 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 what's happening? And you were like, that was so good. I was like, what? Oh, did you see Solo? And you're like, yeah. I was like, oh, good. Tommy really liked it. This will be fun to talk about. I'm excited. I, so, uh, I'm glad you gave it a do. Me too. I, I'll be honest. Pate, I'm glad that you liked it, but I kind of wish you'd hated it because I really, in some ways, I want to know why people hated it. But in other ways, if you hated it, I don't care. Listen, if we had known, we would have got that Facebook friend of ours who literally <laughs> said he's done with Star Wars. Though, 
I don't think I would want to talk to him no. about that on this podcast. I don't feel like that would be a very fun podcast episode to do. I, yeah, I think so. that would just ruin everybody's like dreams and aspirations. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be fun at all. We'll just keep that on Facebook and just look at it and go, okay, now I know. That's how you feel. Yep. Okay, Drew. Man, I'll give it a dope. Um, I'm kind of with you, Matt. I went into this thinking I wasn't gonna like it and came out really enjoying it. Um, I felt like Alden Eric and Eric Hart. Aaron Hart? Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Um, I thought he did a really great job. I thought actually the acting for everyone was either adequate or really great. I didn't feel like anyone had really bad acting. Um, and I thought it was shot beautifully. And I thought I really liked that the story was a more personal, not so big story. It had references to bigger stories. Um, and I feel like, you know, it stumbled a little bit in the third act, but there's a lot of movies that do that. So. It's hard to finish yeah. something up, especially when you've got as much weight as Star Wars movies have on their shoulders. So, and and that stuff that we talked about at the end, it didn't ruin it. It just definitely felt like it slowed down the pace towards yeah the end. So, well, there you go. We all gave it a dope. If you were hesitant about Solo, a Star Wars story, and you're a Star Wars fan, or you just enjoy Star Wars movies, or you've never seen Star Wars. I think we all say definitely go check it out, form your own opinion, but all of us really enjoyed it and we were pleasantly surprised, so maybe you will too. Um, since we've gone a little longer, we're not going to do uh, binge watching, we're just going to close out here. So thanks guys for joining us. Remember you can find us on all the social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Join in the conversation. Below you can actually send in suggestions for topic ideas. Whenever we're trying to figure out what topic we're going to talk about, sometimes we consult that list to see if y'all have got an idea of something you'd like us to talk about. Um, so maybe we'll ju- pick one of those coming up soon. Um, You can rate us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. Uh, And yeah, so thanks for joining us, guys. Next, pretty pretty soon, I don't know what we're talking about next week, but we will be talking about E3 when it hits in a couple weeks. So if you like video games, there's going to be boo koodles of video game news. I don't think we're going to do three to four episodes of it like we did last year we're gonna try to condense it a little more because that was just a lot to do so uh maybe we'll do some little side episodes on stuff if y'all want to hear that so let us know and thanks for joining us guys pate thanks for joining us man i'm glad you you got to be on the podcast yeah thank you for having me it was fun yeah sorry we had to record twice but that's all good so well that's it thanks for joining us guys we'll see you next time and we are the valkyrie cast Oh, 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 oh,